Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Last week, we talked about liberalism and revealed the astounding fact that most of you are probably liberals. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to that. And the actual, actually, the last two episodes, we uh, are jumping into some ideas provided by Coises in his book, Political Visions and Illusions. We started two episodes ago, and we are going to jump into an additional ideology today. Uh, based on what he wrote about, and it's been super helpful, so we're going to keep going with it. So last week was liberalism. This week is conservatism. I I like that you called everyone liberal and then said if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's from the book. If you, it actually should be if you're mad at Eric right now, you should go back and listen to what we did last week. There you go. If if you're mad at at me, then tweet about it and just make sure you tag <laughs> us, and then we'll have more people listen. It'll be great. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, but, but let's let's talk about conservatism. And we and we mentioned last week that uh, there's a left-right spectrum that is often talked about in regards to political ideas, uh, policies, all these kind of things. And we said that's an arbitrary spectrum that is actually housed on both sides by liberals in general. And uh, I just want to point out the conservative liberalism, that spectrum, that's usually what, what becomes labeled left and right or rather right and left. Um, so go back and listen to the last one if you didn't hear that, because that's not as helpful of a handhold as you think it is. Um, but we're going to talk about conservatism today, but it's not necessarily the right of liberalism. It's all liberalism, and conservatism is is a unhelpful word in describing left and right, I think. Well, in some respects, uh, left and right aren't that helpful, but neither are liberal and conservative in the way they're normally used. That's really kind of what we learned as we're reading political visions and illusions mm-hmm. is that it isn't uh, the labels that we've used uh, have uh, not really reflected the way that things actually are. Right. And so we're going to try and uh, remedy that by talking about uh, conservatism. Right. And I think there's two ways we should talk about conservatism. One of them is kind of a posture in decision-making or a posture uh, in deciding how or or if to change, and the other becomes more of, of the ideal, ideological component um, or, or way of engaging the world. So first, let's just talk about the how to make decisions. I could be conservative in my decision-making, which just means I'm going to be careful about making a change willy-nilly. If and I that, can, that's what you meant by your posture. Right, that's my right, posture. Okay. Um, which is not necessarily an ideology at all. That's just, you could you could describe that as just being careful. Uh, Chesterton has a, a, a great little quote where he talks about, don't, don't just chop down a, a fence that you find in the woods until you know why the fence is there. Don't just chop down the fence because you may find out very quickly why the fence is there after you chop it down and realize, oh, this was keeping out the animals or this was keeping in the animals or this was keeping... Uh, a, a mean neighbor from coming into my property or something, uh, 
a, a cautious posture would be one that says, let's figure out why the fence is here. And then before we get rid of it, let's make sure we completely understand the purpose. And if we can decide, you know what, this purpose is no longer necessary, then we can change it. That would be a just a cautious posture, which would be described as conservatism. That you might apply in any area of life. Mm-hmm. You know, fencing or in politics or in family Christmas traditions or really a lot of different things. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, I mean, frankly, there's, I don't want to overstretch the word too much, but uh, some of the pandemic responses have been conservative in that they have decided we don't know enough to make a decision that's different, so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And maybe other people are going, we do know enough. We can change this. We don't have to do X, Y, Z. We don't have to do whatever restriction, uh, but the people making decisions are being conservative because they don't yet know or they're, they're fearful about the, the unintended consequences. That's more on the decision-making side. Okay. Um, one could call that a politics of prudence. That was the, the Burkean idea, which would be uh, from Edmund Burke back in the 1700s. He wrote this book about, in response to the French Revolution, and it's pretty good. It's kind of thick. You can read it if you want. If you're a nerd like me, you might enjoy it. But he was basically saying his reflections on the French Revolution were, wow, they're burning everything down. You really have to be cautious about what you change because if you don't know why those structures are there, the things those structures may be guarding against may come back to hurt you if you just take it down. So I I hear you say that, and then all of a sudden I get really conservative in my politics and in my policies and things because I'm hearing, you know, French Revolution burn everything down and feels like I've seen that here in the last little while. And so how's the other how's the other view different or how's your other uh, mm. conservatism different than that? Sure. Um, so a conservatism in an ideological sense would be one that always wants to preserve what is, wants to preserve the status quo, wants to preserve um, or maybe what used to be. Let's get back to what it was before. And it will uh, idealize whatever the past was. I think one of the best phrases, and we've talked about it on this podcast, talk, referring to the good old days. That is the, that's, that's almost like the point of conservatism. There used to be something. We want to make sure that the good old days remain the good old days. Um, let's make sure we go back to that. We're always going to go back to the, the good old days. And that is taking something potentially good but making it such that it becomes a God thing. That's where the ideology piece comes in. If I don't have any critique of the good old days, everything in the past was great. Okay, I don't, I don't even have a truthful view of the past. And I will bring that in whole cloth with no critique, with no change, with no modification. And I won't allow anyone to point out, hey, you know what, that, that one thing, part of it was good, but part of it was bad. And no, we, we want to go back to the good old days. Stop talking. We're just going to, we're going to change back. So some of the difference when it's just a decision-making orientation, you are saying, uh, let's wait to change things because we don't know, you know, the unintended consequences or whatever. And, or, or what's, what's working right now is okay. It may not be perfect, Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. okay. And so you're that way when it becomes an ideology, essentially, it is, uh, it's almost the opposite. Uh, 
where, no, we're going to conserve regardless because we believe that what was there before was better than what is what might mm-hmm. happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's just a sort of a one is future facing we don't know and you're just going to be cautious. The other is rear facing and we prefer this regardless. Mm-hmm. And um that is <clears throat> that's pretty interesting because um the good old days, I mean, that was really the first thing that we kind of ran into when we yeah. started talking about what do we have to come to grips with with regard to the church and the state and how they interact was what were the good old days. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we started this podcast. It was trying to get a grip on when was it really like it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think I can summarize our official position as there wasn't a time never in church state relations in this country or even before where it was as it should be mm-hmm. and so um it's hard to say that you know at least you and you know me too we're that we're conservative on on that mm-hmm. now on on that particular thing and you notice how i tried to just put parenthesis on that particular thing right because yes i am conservative about some things Mm-hmm. Where I'm not conservative about other things, and that that's again, you have to be careful how you use the terms, and a lot of times you just have to be able to say, "I'm conservative." Well, in what respect are you conservative? Right. And if you just ask that, that'll really help. Right. Because one of the things that was interesting is that I would say many of the people who, well, maybe all of the people who took umbrage at our last episode when we said they're all liberals, the ones that took umbrage are the ones who thought they were conservative. When in reality, (laughs) they are probably conservative liberals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if they had an ideology, it would be liberalism in that they are conserving. In Mm -hmm. other words, the liberalism of my generation or the previous generation or uh, pick a time, Mm-hmm. period, uh, was the best kind of liberalism. Mm-hmm. And by, again, by that we mean the the freedom of the individual person or the personal liberty was better or more like it should be then than it is now. So mm-hmm. we're going, we want to conserve that. And we look back and I think, you know, from a lot of people in North America, that's what conservative means, is I'm a conservative liberal. Right, right, and that and that's worth noting. So when we first start talking about ideologies, we talked about an ideology being a uh, a worldview of sorts that helps explain things in a particular situation in, in a particular time, and that's where conservatism becomes a little bit squishy because conservatism does not have an absolute definition for every time and place. Mm-hmm. Conservatism will shift based on where you are, uh, wh- when you are, what are the facts on the ground. We live in a North American context, a specifically liberal democratic context. So our conservatism necessarily is within the context of liberalism. Uh, typically the the thing that would most often be, and I'll say, I'll say five years ago would be labeled as conservative, conservatism would be a fusionist idea of libertarian slash 
um, social conservatism put together, that is conservatism in America, starting in the 50s or so with Buckley. Um, he started the National Review. That Those are the, when you're t talking about conservatism, conservatives in America, that's probably what you're talking about. And they would all say we're classical liberals because that's the context that we live in. If I was sitting in 1917 Russia and I was a conservative, I would be desiring to uh, keep the monarchy in place. Um, there's a revolution coming and we, we don't want ch the change to happen. There's a different conservatism there. If I am in 1860s America, my conservatism is probably not very liberal. It's probably uh, trying to conserve the status quo pre-Civil War, which again, warts there. Yes, there's, mm -hmm. there's a bunch, there's evil happening there that is trying to be conserved. So it just, it's highly dependent on situation and place. Um, and what is your context? What's your political context? Because you may be conser conserving something very different than you assume we're conserving in America. So you could have people in different parts of the world right now, both call themselves conservative mm -hmm. and actually hold fundamentally opposed political, ide you know, political ideologies, really. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have a social, you know, a socialist who wants it not to change, right? And they are, by definition, then a conservative socialist. And then you've got the conservative liberals who would never want that to come over here, so they don't want to change. Right. So, anyway, there, I think the reason that that's important is that uh, I think we all have to look at what it is we actually believe and what we think is important, and understand that. Um, it's not just as easy as slapping a label on somebody or some policy and saying, therefore, I'm with the tribe that's conservative or I'm with the tribe that's liberal mm -hmm. or I'm with the left or the right. I think we have to do a little more work. And I think that's what we're trying to get at is a little more work to understand what, you know, what do I believe? What is my vision, my political vision, my ideology? And when I do that, how... Uh, you know, when I believe that or hold it strongly, what am I actually believing? And I think it's really easy for us to get labels on something and not really understand what it is that we're trying to stand up for. Mm -hmm. Should we go through the redemptive story of the ideology of conservatism? Yeah, um, we certainly should. Yeah, it's it's a little tricky because, again, it depends on, on where you're sitting. Uh, but... The creation portion, the, the assumed unblemished ideal that begins the redemptive story would be some past good, some past good way of doing things. That's the, the start. And the fall of the redemptive story of conservatism would be change. We changed it. We went to something less good. Uh, we modified. And that's the fall. That's the false state. So let's get back to the status quo. That's the, the desire for redemption in this story. And if we achieve the the status quo or we don't change at all because the status quo is okay then that's the we're, we're able to restore the past good so the um the thing that is being sought in conservatism is either no change or change back to what was before and that's the that's where you get the uh, i i can't i don't have the word they, when you make something an ideal that shouldn't be ideal because this doesn't have much room to talk about what was blemished, what was broken. Um, hmm. If we restore this thing, are we aware that there are warts with that thing as well? 
the the ideology of conservatism that's a big blind spot for that mm. yeah that's really i i think important to acknowledge because it echoes the true redemption story mm-hmm. because you've got you know eden and then you've got the fall and then you've got uh, i think the big piece is the redemption is different mm. and the redemption in the christian story addresses the the brokenness and the wrong and the past problems mm-hmm. and that and because it addresses that it can restore uh, the world or in a person uh, and to something that is different and better mm-hmm. whereas you don't really have that here um, and so the um, you know, the, all of these redemption stories sort of mimic, and we talked mm-hmm. about this before, mm-hmm. mimic the true redemption story, but lack the power to really bring it about. And I think the striking thing about this redemption, redemptive story, you just mentioned it. If we go back to Eden, if we go back to the right beginning, yeah, things were going very well. We had right relationship with God. We had right relationship with people. We were in a garden eating fruit, clothing optional. Things are great. Um and then that story breaks, and we need we need redemption again. The conservative story doesn't go back to Eden; right. it goes back to somewhere short of Eden, mm-hmm. and then says, "Let's get back to there." Like, why would you want to get back to something broken? There, mm-hmm. the it needs to be a full, um, a full story that encapsulates all of it. And if we go back to something that still has brokenness, still has evil, still has sin, that's not sufficient. That's mm-hmm. that's not restoration. That's just kind of kind of fixing things so i think i think that's the big the big change the the big deficiency of conservatism and that's where we we hear that in the let's get back to the good old days i wish it was just good again um let's make america great again like that's that's the same appeal let's get back to that thing and we have a specific time in mind and it's not eden it's something less it's something uh, deficient compared to eden hmm is there anything good about conservatism? Yeah, I I think so. Just like well, there, almost by definition, there has to be right. If I'm going to make something a god thing that is good, there has to be some nugget of truth in an ideology. So that's for all of them. There's some good thing there. There's some yeah. good thing there. Um, and may, maybe that's a tangent, but I just yeah. If, if I think any ideology echoes something true about the world, it just emphasizes it in the wrong way and I, I, I don't think it would ring true for people if it did, didn't at least have a nugget of truth mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking about ideologies broad, broadly at this right. point not just conservatism but I that's interesting I think if it was completely false and completely broken people would go that doesn't even sound attractive you're not <laughs> you're not talking about something true mm-hmm. even a little bit mm-hmm. um, but I, I do think conservatism has some some good in it I think I think the caution there. I think there's wisdom in caution. I think there's wisdom in realizing um, broken people are making these decisions. So let's not be rash to make these decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and in that regard, there is quite a bit of conservatism built into the structure of our government. Mm-hmm to protect against broken people making these decisions mm-hmm. and and rashness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> there is a sense in which the machinery of government is anything but rash in that it just is almost overwhelmingly 
bureaucratic, right? And mm. so I think that, and that's built in because of this conservative, you know, bent, I think, and view of human nature. Mm-hmm. So I think you would probably say that's really good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I also think the looking to the past and seeing something good is also a is a good in conservatism. I think it gets uh, idolized, and that's a problem. But that initial look back and go, hey, there's something good about tradition. There's something good about the things that have come before mm-hmm. us. And there's often a thankfulness there. Mm-hmm. And I I know from my own generation and my own just engaging the world, there's, all, there's often just a jettison of everything in the past, which is its own problem. Um, there's a desire for new. And the I think the desire or, or willingness to conserve the old uh, shows that there's something valuable there. and But it's when it I- idolizes the old. That's where the problem is. I, I've been reading through, oh, is it History of, of Dogma or History of Doctrine mm. by Yaroslav Pelikan. And he has mm-hmm. a great little quote that begins that book. He says, Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And I think it's when tradition becomes traditionalism. And again, that's the, that's the ideology piece. That's where it breaks. If I can look back and be grateful to belong to uh, historical Christianity that goes back all the way to AD 33, I belong to a wonderful tradition and there's value there. But if I ramp that up and say, I'm only going to do old things because that's where the power lies in the old things. Okay, now, you, now you're doing something dead. You, mm-hmm. You've broken it. So I think, I think that's a good. It, it can look back and be thankful. It can look back and, and have gratitude. Well, I think it's it's probably really important to emphasize that mm-hmm. because it's uh, it is easy to jettison anything that's old or have a bias against something that's old, but also to not really realize the the shoulders upon which you stand, mm. you know, and not to and, and recognize that that it might be hard or we might feel poor or whatever, but we're we have it so good because of what has come before. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just something that I think way too many people ignore. I mean, it's just, just as though uh, conservatives <laughs> uh, ignore maybe what could be or what pos- mm-hmm. that there might be a positive change. Mm-hmm. Um, those who are anti-conservative or just want to jettison the past, they don't really appreciate what they have because of what's come before. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and we hear that all the time in political rhetoric too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anything else about conservatism? Oh, I, I just, yeah, I think the most important thing, there are, two, there are two things that I would say if I could sum it up. One is that most of the conservatives that we know are conservative liberals. We are conservating a different vision of liberalism. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if if we can do that and then say, okay, what actually about liberalism is it that I like mm-hmm. and I'm trying to preserve, that will really help us have more meaningful dialogues with one another. Mm-hmm. And under realizing we have similar um, assumptions about the world, I think that will really help. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think that... Um, it will help also to not have a uh, just a uh, Pollyanna vision of mm-hmm. the past, right. and to 
to to realize that that today yes things feel broken and they did before too mm-hmm. and they and sometimes they didn't feel broken to us because we were somehow protected from the real brokenness in other uh environments and other communities and other mm-hmm. situations and that we just have to be humble i think about the right. past as well so those are just a couple things right that's good i think that's helpful so that's conservatism in a quick nutshell um, i hope it's helpful and we'll jump into we have three more so we'll jump into some more ideologies in the in the upcoming episodes to get those episodes, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review would go a long way. And if you just want to tweet into the universe or, or Facebook or whatever, you can just share this with all your friends. Uh, that'd be great as well. If you leave a review and rate us, those things help the algorithm so we're more findable. I think we're number one or number two under the the search rubric, City on a Hill. So maybe we can get to one or two on, on some other things that are less narrow. And that'd be pretty cool. Uh, if you have questions, send them to podcastnewlifenw.com. And we look forward to the next conversation.